This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 55th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. It has been one year since the launch of the book and the podcast show, The Practice of Learning Teams, with my co-authors and host, Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson. And what a ride it has been. And who said launching a new venture was a bad idea during a pandemic? We now have over 6,000 regular listeners from 38 countries and 100,000 plus downloads of the content. We thank you for connecting in each week to listen and learn in the new view of safety. Please sit back and enjoy this roundup of my favourite listens in our first year. Let's recap on episode 9 with Sam Goodman, the hop nerd, who I now call my safety brother. Because the small stuff's always going to be there. Yeah. You know, I make I make bad choices every day, but I'm okay about it. Well, you know, yeah, me too. I make tons of them. To what we were even touched on before, I mean, we spend so much time organizationally focused on those little things, right? We we too much time. Back to that point that we were kind of even driving towards that, you know, practitioners saying, "Well, where, where will I have the time?" Well, it's it's back to focusing on the things that actually matter. Yeah, right. It's it's back to focusing on the things that matter. I don't know. It just seems like uh, if, I, if I'm approached with two buckets of the shit that kills me and the shit that doesn't, I know which one I'm going to focus on. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm not going to spend time on, on, my, my, on my toe stubs and my, my uh, scrapes and my little kind of basic stuff. I'm going to spend time focusing on the stuff that actually kills me, the stuff that matters, at least matters more. Yeah. Right. I, again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know. Look, if if you've got like, if you've got like this, just this god awful pit that people have to navigate across to get into your job location, you should probably put a bridge across it. Yeah, for sure. That might make sense. I mean, you can for sure deal with that. Deal with that. I'm not saying not to deal with that stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's to me, it always falls back to focus on the stuff that matters and understanding that that those two, uh, you know, by by managing the little things, you're you're really having no impact on the larger things. Right. It's it's breaking down that belief, right? We've we've maintained that belief organizationally, especially for a very long time, and within the safety profession, we've promoted that belief for a very long time. That if you just take care of those small things, right, then you're not going to work your way up that pyramid, right? You're not going to work your way up to that dreaded fatality if you just focus on take. Make, if you don't have any first aids, you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we touched on earlier that. Um, we, we have lots of, we put lots of barriers and we put lots of mitigations, we put lots of controls. Um, I, I feel that they're currently being, they're being imbalanced between the prevention side versus response recovery. But, yeah. but even across both, um, a lot of them actually don't serve any purpose. They, they're fluff. Yeah. They're, they're, they're stuff that doesn't matter. But people say to me, well, well how do we work out what stuff does and doesn't matter? So that, that, that sort of led to us to develop um, um, that shit filter, <laughs> which was to, to basically say, um, and it goes back to those core principles, and we ask ourselves, 
Do these mitigations, are those mitigations about controlling how the hazard releases energy? Or are those mitigations about trying to influence the person? Yeah, yeah. And the stuff that influences the person um, is, is filtered out through the ship filter. Yeah, that, and that, that's, that's, a, that's excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, and I think even with that, I, I find myself asking folks, well, okay, wait a second, hold on. Why are we doing this to the worker? All right, let's, let's stop for a second. We're, we're extracting safety up on the worker. We're doing this to the worker. Let's talk about exactly kind of where you're going, right? Let's, let's talk about, <laughs> are we actually controlling the energy, right? Are we actually yeah. dealing with the hazard? Um, I, I don't know. That seems more important to me than, than, the, than a tick and flick check sheet. Uh, it's just me. I don't think you can make me any more aware by adding another box to the check sheet, right? That's not going to make me any, any more aware to the hazard or, more, or less likely well, to die. Uh, unless the check so, sheet has some property to it that stops energy coming through it. I could wad it up and shove it in the end of the pipe. Yeah, is, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> it, might, it might be the answer. Unless, unless, unless I'm, you know, the piece of paper would come in handy in a steam generating station and I could tape it to the end of a stick and walk with it to see if there's a steam leak in front of me. Yeah. Right, that's maybe the only way that the check sheet's going to be of <laughs> so, so when, when we so, split those two things out, when we split those two things out, then we ask mm -hmm. some really interesting questions. We say to people, okay, so the stuff that doesn't matter, okay, which is what you're using, with this stuff influencing people, we then ask this really interesting question, um, is it an action? Are we asking someone to do something? Yeah. Um, is it a process? Are we asking someone to follow something? Or is it a goal? Are we asking something to um, uh, focus on an outcome? And they look at me and saying, well, it's obvious. Well, no, it's not obvious. What, 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 what is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Because I I'm quite happy with things that are action-based. I mean, if I know that, you know, I've got a, say, a big piece of machinery and it jams 10 times a day, I'm quite happy to know that when I open that gate, when I open that gate, that gate de-energizes that machine for me. Okay, that's an action. I'm quite happy. Okay? I don't need to think about how it de-energizes or why it de-energizes. All I need to know is that my action as I do this, I've got to clear the jam. I can be effective and efficient and it's going to work 100% of the time. The alternative is, uh, before you open the gate, you've got to complete your uh, eight-step lockout tagout procedure. You've got to get your padlock, and you've got to fit it to it. Yeah. Now, I've got to clear this jam 10 <laughs> times a day. Okay. Now, you're asking me to be 100% reliable seven days a week, eight hours a day. position to be in. Correct. You know, the crazy thing is that organizations do that every day. And I, th they I think that, that, that's the more stunning happens. part to me, how often that's relied upon. Yeah. We, we rely upon uh, operators to be 100% right 100% of the time to make sure nothing goes wrong. And that just seems, it doesn't seem, it, it absolutely is, kind of as we're saying, that is just a horrible, horrible Again, that's that's a that's a horrible. Well, it's, it's more horrible if it's a life-changing event. Yeah, it's not it's not horrible if yeah. it's a tickle or a or a or a right. slip. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so that's, I'm that's probably that's now. probably an okay place for that if it's going to just kind of reach out and give you a yeah. little, 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, look, I, I, I'm okay. Um, I mean, I, I said all the time, you, you walk in, especially these um, office areas where um, you want to make yourself a coffee or a cup of tea and it's got the big sign, caution, hot water. I yep. mean, you know. I, I hope. Yeah, I, I uh, mean, you know. You, you're probably I, like me. You, you've, but... you've been into some of these places where hot water is not always a thing. So it's. I <laughs> hope that it have. I'm, <laughs> I hope that it has hot water in that trailer. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I've worked on the theory that if I'm having a hot drink, I expect the water to be hot. <laughs> right. And right. and normally most taps are designed with a colour and a direction. Um, and, and when I get it wrong, I, I'm okay that, that I feel some pain getting it wrong because it's a reminder to me about focusing. But to me, I'm not. No life is going to be lost because of that hot tap. Right. So that's where we keep going back. Let's focus on stuff that really matters. So we've got stickies, stuff that kills you. But for that sticky, within that sticky, there have to be things that really matter within that sticky. And that's that evolution. And, and that's about having that richer conversation. And then once you understand the stuff that really matters, then then from an organizational point of view, then that's where your metrics can come in. The metrics you know, can be, for instance, how many times a day is the gate being activated? Okay, is that telling us that, that the machine, the tolerance of the machine is, is changing? You know, it makes sense. So, that, so those metrics should, should be able to allow the organization to say, there is a learning opportunity. There has been a shift from here to here in this period of time. That is a learning opportunity. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. I'm good for metrics. I love a good metric. As long as it serves a purpose. And I don't know if people understand what purpose they actually serve. Well, yeah. So that to me, to me that's a big piece of it. Um, coming from that world of, of heavily metrics-driven organizations, um, you just yeah, there, there's that delicate balance, right? When we get into incentivized metrics, and we're we're talking about two little bit different things here. But same thing with that gate. I mean, if, if we put a financial incentive on that gate not uh, being activated so many times a day, it's just not going to get reported. <laughs> and if, if there's if there's a means to uh, to have it reported instantly, digitally through a sensor or otherwise, right? We're going to find a way to work around that as well. <laughs> Right. So if, if we if we have if we incentivize a metric in a different direction, so yeah. to your point, I, I agree with you. I think I think metrics can be absolutely valuable things if applied correctly, and I think that's probably the the, the deeper conversation the organization has to have with themselves. Yeah. Because currently, with again, if where we find ourselves applying metrics currently is under more traditional safety approaches, and we we incentivize metrics around portability rates, we incentivize metrics around basically just don't tell us stuff. Right. Right. We, we ultimately pay people to not report things to us a lot of times. In episode 20, we started one of our very first special podcasts and we looked at Month, and one of our early guests was Deirdre Lewis. And I have to say that Deirdre inspired us to carry on our series and create the women's uh, series on uh, learning teams, the new view with Glynis McCarthy. So we've sort of been on a, um, I guess a, we've had a lot of discussions in the last two or three years around how we can 
learn better as an organisation and really trying to get our heads around what that can look like and, um, and what tools we can use. We're probably floundering around a little bit to kind of think about how we can learn more deeply from um, what we were doing. So we were thinking we were learning, but not really learning. We are probably sharing more than we were learning, I would say. Um, so I, I guess I went and um, really did a little bit of research, read some read some stuff. Um, ha, you know, was looking at the work that Todd Conklin um, had been doing around asking better questions, um, and really thought, well, you know, um, I'm going to have a crack at this. Um, there was a couple of big things that were going on at the time when we first started to. Um, really have a go and um, we started having a look. The very first one we did actually was um, during last year's bushfire season in Australia and our team just did a tremendous job managing, um, you know, and being resilient in the face of such a huge crisis. So rather than um, uh, um, leaving that opportunity on the table, we didn't have anything bad happen in terms of our people or our facilities were safe. Um, I really wanted to learn from what we were doing well um, and really understand why that was, um, why that actually happened in our organisation and how we were um, adapting and being resilient in the face of such a crisis across a huge amount of the Australian context. Um, so we had a number of our big facilities and some of our smaller facilities at risk from the fires. That's kind of where we started. And um, I engaged our operational teams at the site and essentially we just um, pulled together a learning team. We, we were trying to do it face to face, but um, with everything going on, we ended up doing it virtually. So our very first experience as a learning team um, uh, was a virtual experience and um, yeah, so that's really how we started it and really just took guidance from some of the materials that were out there um, in books and um, through podcasts and just things that we've been listening to. So that's really the, the start of the journey, I guess, for us. So you're really just giving it a go? Yeah, so um, it was more that things were being pushed out into the business through, you know, the usual um, uh, safety um, artifacts, so things like alerts or notices or things uh, like yeah. that. They would yeah. they just go out into the business, and we would share things with people. Like they might have a chat and a toolbox talk about them, but it wasn't any deeper than that. It was more this happened in this place, and these are the one or two things that maybe you can do over here. Um, but it was no more than that, really. It felt very much on the surface, and certainly from an operational perspective, as well as from a um, perspective there was a fair bit of frustration about that feeling like all these uh, all this work and effort was going into something that um, pretty much just cut sent out and went into the ether a little bit so we knew that there was some opportunity that opportunity that, that we were essentially leaving on the table and that's really where that deeper conversation started to occur around how do we how do we actually really learn so so from what I'm hearing um, basically the difference between the sharing and the learning, one was about the context, getting that deeper, richer conversation going. Yeah. And, and the second one is, to me, it sounds like active feedback. Yeah, definitely feedback from, yeah, from uh, uh, the people who are involved in these things, as well as um, from the safety team, as well as the HSC team. Yeah. Right. So that it became more of a two-way conversation. 
Yeah, I, I think we, I think as a as an organisation, we, we've actually had a journey where that two way conversation happens pretty well between the functional team and the front line. Um, but I think what we didn't have was really any mechanism to, or we didn't feel like we had a mechanism to actually help to propel us from sharing into learning. And that's really where I think the learning team's process um, is starting to come into its own from our perspective as an organisation, because it gives us a way to, to actually um, to uh, delve deeper into what's actually going on um, versus um, having a more surface level discussion. Right. And this thing about giving it a go, how did that sit with leadership? How did we prepare leadership for what giving it a go looks like? Well, so it depends on what you mean by leadership. And, and I think um, like there's levels of leadership. Mostly I just didn't I just didn't gazette it too broadly. I just said, this is what we're going to do. Are you on board? Let's have a crack at something different. That was kind of where where it started. Um, So it wasn't like I went, okay, we're going to do this whole new thing. Uh, It was more, okay, let's have a crack at trying to learn more deeply into this. We kind of feel like we did a good job. Let's understand how we got there. Um, And so I think doing it... um, uh, around the first one in particular, doing it around something that the business felt that they'd done very successfully was a really good place to start because um, there was no opposition to, there was no fear, I think, as well. So um, people were quite, uh, they wanted to embrace the fact that they'd done something really well and to celebrate it and to learn why that was the case. So I think it was a really good thing to start with, if you like. And wrapping up the series, in episode 17, was one of Canada's favourite sons of safety, Mr. Jeffrey Luth. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Well look, it's it's our pleasure, and look, I've been really keen to get you on the show for quite some time. Um, Basically to hear, for the listeners to hear about all the good things that you were doing in your neck of the woods. What did we talk about, what did we say about over-promising? What did we say about that, Ben? And of course, you've 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 appeared a couple of times with uh, Dr. Todd Conklin. Correct. And uh, obviously, um, you're doing some uh, amazing work in the whole sort of hop and the learning team space. And I thought it was really valuable for the listeners to basically hear about how your journey started. Happy to share. Um, yeah, absolutely. Happy to share whatever I can. It's a uh, it's all a work in progress and i think the more our community stays together and and shares and 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 we have dialogue like this the better so like i say really just honored to be here that's great so how does it all come about jeff well i was born no um (laughs) i i i began my career um in safety in the around 92 ish um and hadn't really given safety a thought and and really hadn't by 92-ish. In fact, I had trained as a first aid attendant. And then when I was employed in that capacity, um, what they really wanted was was prevention, compliance and and safety. And so, you know, my career uh, from then up until around uh, 2010, uh, to me really matched the, uh, kept pace with the evolution of of safety management in in the construction sector, in that uh, you know early on, 
there was a real cause and effect relationship between the things we did to improve safety and their their obvious outcomes. But you know, 20 years down that road, uh, terrific career, career I'm so grateful for. Um, and yet, uh, I couldn't really draw that line anymore. I was I was director of safety. I was uh, a minister of a, a program over multiple work sites, but. You know that cause and effect linkage, the the benefit we were bringing was was completely obscured to me, and and some things started happening uh, in the jurisdiction that uh, again caused me to to reflect on what we were doing in safety management. Somebody I had previously worked with was killed in an accident, and we had two very high profile explosions here in in lumber mills in 2012, and so that was the huge uh, you know change point I think in my in my career is that in in 2012, after it, after 20 years in conventional safety, I thought there had to be something more. Uh, didn't know what it was, but I knew I wasn't going to find it staying where I was. And so, on leap year 2012, I made the leap to to step away from that position and, and take the risk of going into what at the time was uncharted waters. To me, it was uncharted waters. Um, so that's so. Once that change was made, I wasn't aware of any of this new view discussion or safety differently discussion or safety two discussion. Um, and I began with uh, bringing leadership, uh, some leadership thinking, leadership ideas out to the front lines. You know, I, I had the benefit of being a part of a lot of executive team discussions around leadership concepts and principles. And we'd talk about all that and it was terrific. Uh, learned so much in those sessions, but they were boardroom sessions. And so when I went out trying to, you know, make a different kind of difference, uh, one of the first things was to take, you know, the best bits of that of that leadership discussion and take them out to frontline leaders who are out there, um, you know, boots on the ground, uh, where their leadership skills were were really critically important. So it began there, and then very quickly I, I discovered safety differently and. And then that the next, this, you know, every <laughs> all the time since then has been spent learning as much as possible and and uh, checking all the references, reading many many references and citations, and going down all those rabbit holes and just just trying to grasp all of this information that's been coming online, you know, the last eight or ten years. Well, for me, so began began catching up i think obviously the new view is not new right so in 2012 i began catching up on you know the lineage of all these ideas and for me learning teams really didn't come along until maybe four four years ago i'm i'm guessing three or four years ago it emerged uh the concept emerged as a tool and and uh it just i think it really was like uh it was a real boost it, 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 it was really needed to, to, to complete the, the view we were having or to, certainly now I'm, I'm mostly interested in integration and hop integration and exactly how we do that. And I think that uh, learning teams is, is by far and away uh, the most significant uh, activity uh, that happens on that journey. Right. Because do you think it sort of tries, tries to help to humanize? Well, I, I absolutely. Um, but it, yeah, and it's the pre-work. It's that I, I believe very much that that a really proper conceptual foundation has to be laid before we go there. At least that's my, you know, my approach is that I we we, we 
strive to to ensure that we have so much dialogue around the concepts and the principles. And I think that um, when we get, if we're talking about an organization and we're we're talking about their senior leaders, managers, once we're at about a, a maybe a 60% uh, fluency rate or, or 60% buy-in, if you will, I think is the perfect time to coach them in, in, in holding, having their first learning team in-house because the results of, of that um, just really come back around and kind of prove the points in their own language, in their own terms, in their own house. And you'll know when we haven't sufficiently gotten to that point in the minds of the leaders, um, an organization has gone and, and uh, conducted their first learning team. And, and when the results were brought back, the senior leadership team was really arguing with those results and, and having a difficult time accepting that that, that could be true or, or what that was about. So there's a real indicator that, that not enough time was spent in the preparation, I think. Um, to really tee that up for, for success. Because contrast that with the experience in some other orgs, that when you're at that, whatever ballpark, 60% uh, buy-in spot, and you, you convene a learning team, and you come back and you table the, these results, and, and uh, incredible, incredible response to, um, to people learning how much there is to learn in their own organization. And that's such a huge aha moment. you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.